Let's go ahead and open our Bibles this morning to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to look at verses 50 through 58. And we're going to talk about victory in Jesus today. Victory in Jesus. We'll read verse 50, beginning verse 50, towards the end of the chapter. The Bible says here, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall that be brought to pass a saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Again, it was a week ago today that Eldie went home to be with the Lord. We had found out uh, he had passed away really just before Sunday school time. And, of course, we shared that, that news with the folks last week here. But uh, as the week went on, just preparing for the funeral that was held on Friday here, Friday afternoon, uh, I don't know about you, but when, when pastors generally, when we prepare for funerals, it's, it's um, I'll be honest with you, and Pastor Moppity will probably agree, this is probably one of the easiest funerals to do. Because LD knew for sure his relationship with Jesus Christ, and he had no doubt of where he was going. That's an easy funeral to do. Overall, I mean, there's still sorrow, there's still mourning, that's a part of that, but in that we have great hope in that. But as, personally, as I prepare for funerals, I've done several uh, really around the world now, but as I think about that, um, thoughts of heaven and the hope of the resurrection, they come to my mind. A lot of times I'll, I'll find a song or two that speaks about heaven or about the resurrection, and I'll, I'll play that, or play a couple of those types of songs just to kind of get that in my mind and to remind us of the hope. And I, I appreciate the songs that we sang this morning about the coming King and because He lives. I want to say, too, that as we think about the life of L.D. Walter, we're not redoing a funeral service here today, but just make a few comments, that we sang a, a little bit ago, Make Me a Servant. It's, if there is a song that could sum up the life of L.D. Walter, it's that. Make me a servant, humble and meek. That's what he did. He served others. He served this church. He served his family. Not much complaining. You never did hear. You ask him how he's doing, give you two thumbs up, right? That's Eldie. We definitely do miss him today. But death, as we, he experienced last week, death is something that we all eventually will face unless the Lord returns in our lifetime. But for the believer, death is really nothing to fear. Perhaps the way we would die, maybe, but really death itself is nothing to fear for a believer. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, especially in chapter 15, of the hope of the resurrection and the victory that we have that's found in Jesus Christ. And that is the very hope and the very life, and that's the victory that L.D. Walter lived for. And, the, and basically the message today, you're talking about victory in Jesus, but the hope of the resurrection gives us victory in Jesus. That was uh, one of L.D.'s favorite songs, Victory in Jesus. Kind of an amazing thing that happened. So I want to share with you just a couple things that happened uh, around the funeral time. Um, 
and then what happened a little bit later. I think it's just amazing how God used LD's testimony this week. Uh, on Friday, as we were preparing uh, for the, the funeral services and uh, florists, different flowers were being delivered. By the way, this arrangement here and the one on the Welcome Center, both of these are from the funeral family, basically left these here for us to remember LD by. Beautiful arrangement. And um, anyways, I got to talking with one of the the uh, the floor the well the delivery drivers that came and after he had dropped uh, the flowers off, we began talking a little bit and um, he had mentioned something about God and something something in his life. But in make a long story short, we sat out in the foyer probably about twenty minutes while his car was still running. Uh, the guy liked to talk. That's fine. We uh, we enjoyed a good conversation. But he was very kind of confused as well. His mother had passed away some years ago, and he was still dealing, even that in his own life, you know, what about his mother? Uh, and even about his own destiny. And I asked him, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? And I said, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure I do. Well, there's a way you can know for sure. You can have that assurance of knowing Jesus Christ personally. And we talked back and forth for a while, and uh, so I said, I'm going to give you something. Back on the Welcome Center, there is a, a track. A track of the month usually goes over a month, but there's a track back there. By the way, feel free to take those, give them out to people. I always encourage you to read the track first. You know why? Because if you give it to someone, they're going to say, well, what is this? I don't know. I haven't read it. <laughs> okay? <laughs> read it. There's, there's a track out there called the Bridge Track. Yeah, I'd be honest with you, it's probably one of the best presentations of the gospel that I have seen in a track form. There's other good tracks out there, but that, I think that's one of the best out there. Take one of those. But anyways, I took the bridge track, and I, I gave that to him, and I said, I think this is going to help answer a lot of your questions. Obviously, because of the funeral, I didn't have time to go a lot longer. But then I grabbed back. I said, do you have a Bible? He says, well, I think I do. And I said, well, uh, I said, you go find it, and I, I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. I says, I want you to go home, and I want you to read chapter 3 of the book of John. Just that chapter, 36 verses. Okay, not much to ask for it. And I said, you pray and you ask God to show you himself to you through Jesus Christ. I honestly didn't know if he would be able to find that Bible or not, so right behind me was a John Romans back there. I simply dog-eared it to John 3. It says, here, I'm going to make this really easy for you. You just open right there and you begin reading right there. This gentleman, I don't know if I'll ever see him again. But it's those opportunities that sees. That happened right before the funeral service. Praise God for that, that opportunity. As the day went, and we saw, we saw many people here coming and going, we had probably around 100 people that were here all together. Uh, LD's family uh, is a good-sized family. They filled up the rows that were over here. And it was a blessing to, to minister to their family and to serve their family. And I want to say thank you to the church for putting your arms around them. Uh, for those who served on the kitchen, cleaning, whatever you did, if you had any part, thank you. Thank you for being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ and serving the Walter family this week. For those maybe couldn't be here but prayed, thank you. Thank you for serving the Lord that way. Okay? I, I think very highly of this church for your, your act of love and service. Stay humble, folks, and serve Christ. Be great and serve. So the funeral went, and uh, I want to say thank you to Pastor Maupin. You guys go back many years, <laughs> almost to the time of Methuselah, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, he read the obituary and gave a eulogy and just a lot of memories and uh, 
of this time has gone by. You know that LD, some of you really didn't get to know LD a whole lot. For me, I only knew him really around two years or so. Um, but LD, because of this property and before back at Plymouth, the Plymouth days, but LD basically had his hands somewhere in every place of this property, every place of this building. And he was just a quiet, gentle servant to the Lord. Uh, we talked on Wednesday night. We had a time for some testimonies in that of, of LD. And uh, I appreciate those who shared. And uh, basically, a lot of people commented how he was such a warm face and a warm handshake greeting you as you came in the church building. And he was the welcome center before we had the welcome center. I guess you can say it that way. What a tremendous testimony that, that he lived. And that was carried on. And the fact that uh, and it was presented even by, uh, by Dan and Mark singing Because He Lives and even an encouragement for those who have never trusted Jesus Christ to put their faith in Jesus Christ even as, as LD had. LD, for those who don't know it, he gave us his testimony a couple of weeks ago that he was saved about the age of 15 at a, at a two-week revival meeting at the Methodist Church just west of town. That was his testimony, and he knew Jesus Christ. He says, I don't remember the preacher who spoke that day, but I, I know for sure that I got saved. And he, and he lived for the Lord. He loved his family, loved, uh, loved his church family. And uh, that, is, that was very evident. LD was here about a week or two before he passed, and uh, that was just a highlight. He always looked forward to being here in church, faithfully served, faithfully in his place. He sat in the back a long time, but at the funeral, he finally got up to the front. Okay, we finally pulled him up here. It all worked out. But uh, so what happened is this. We went out to the great, this is, this is the after story, after most of you had left. This is, this is a God thing. I want you to know what God is doing. I've been, I've been kind of mentioning this, this year that when we have an event or some type of thing happen, I, we prayed even on Wednesday night, Lord, that we want to see your hand at work through anything that takes place here at Victory Baptist Church. And so as we as I've been praying that way, what would God do in our midst? And so what happened was this. We, we finished. We had a great time of fellowship downstairs for those who could stay. It was, a, it was a good time. Of course, at funerals and weddings, you get to see people you haven't seen for a while. And, and it's, it's a, that's good. Anyways, as we went out to the cemetery, uh, Rush Creek Cemetery, and the other day I was wondering if we were going to get in there. It was all snow covered and there was like nowhere to even get in there. They, fortunately, they plowed a little bit. We could get in there. We got in, and uh, me and the family, we got around the casket. That was there, LD's body there. And we were all kind of trudging in snow. <laughs> and uh, we all got there huddled together, and it was just a family time, probably about 30 of us there at the gravesite. And uh, we were, shared a few passages of Scripture, gave a few comments, and then we uh, prayed. And then the family, it was their request that we sing Victory in Jesus at the cemetery. But I want you to know something about this as well, that where LD was buried, for those who know that uh, his farm is where Maple Grove High School is now, okay? And so, but where the cemetery is, you're, basically, you're within eyeshot of the old farmstead, of the old homestead right there. So it's kind of come full circle. But I, I want you to know this, that LD, you could say, yeah, he went back home, but that's really not his home. He's now in his real home. He's safely home with the Lord. But seeing how his life kind of circled there, just a humble servant of the Lord, we need more Eldies. We need more Marges. What a, what a blessing that couple uh, was and their family is. So we just had a time rejoicing. I, have you ever sang Victory in Jesus at a funeral before? That's a, you don't hear that. But I tell you, it was so appropriate. 
The funeral home, this is another thing that happened. The funeral home director, there was three ladies from the funeral home that, that worked that day. And as we were out the cemetery, they're, of course, standing off a little bit. And as the 30 of us were singing Victory in Jesus around the casket, they said, we couldn't believe what we heard. It was just an amazing experience to hear that song. I don't know if these ladies are saved or I don't know their spiritual background, but they heard the testimony of Eldie who lived for the Lord. They heard about Jesus that day. I just leave it to that. As we see else what happened, we come back here, had a good time just kind of cleaning up and helping. Thank you again for all those who helped. But anyways, it was that, that evening, I think Pastor Moffat, you got the same message as well. Later that evening, Friday evening, that one of Eldie's grandkids got saved as a result of the funeral. There was some questions that this uh, young person had had. And, um, and the funeral service itself uh, touched this one's heart and got, got things right with the Lord that day and put their faith and trust in Jesus. There is victory in Jesus. I don't know about you, but if Ellie was here, he'd be saying, Amen, right? Double thumbs up. That's the life of L.D. Walter. The hope of the resurrection gives us victory in Jesus. There's probably people around the world, people in our society, that say, man, you're crazy singing such a peppy song at the graveside of a, a service. I've been to funerals. You have too. that, man, it's just solemn. I mean, you can't wait to get out of there type of feeling. You know, you know what I'm saying. But for a Christian, I wish every funeral was like what we experienced on this past week. And I can kind of go back and I see what happened with Roger Myers this past year. Again, that was a time, even in the, in the sorrow of that moment, it was a time of rejoicing. When we began uh, over a year ago now with Andy Sherbing's passing, it was really a celebration of a servant of the Lord who served faithfully for 26 years of his life, serving back in the sound booth and now is with the Lord. But like I said, death is a reality. We don't know how long we will live on this earth. Our life is but a vapor. And so with that, there is a promise. There is a promise of victory. I want us to turn now to the text as, we've been, as we introduced it a moment ago, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is using this chapter, talking about the gospel and then the, the resurrection. And we're going to talk about the promise of victory here today, and we talk about the promise of the resurrection. In verse 50, it says again, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth crush, corruption inherit incorruption. And so basically in this life, our flesh and blood, as we are, as mortal beings, we cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. We cannot go into God's presence in just, just the way we are. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he was not flesh and blood, but he was flesh and bone. He was a different mixture. It's a little bit of a difference, but nonetheless... I think that's a picture of our, uh, a resurrected body in a, in a way there. But nonetheless, as we see this here, that we in ourselves, in our own condition, we cannot go to heaven on our own. Ask people, well, why do you think you should go to heaven? If God, if you were standing there at the gates of heaven, God says, why should I let you in by heaven? What would you say? I hope you would say that. But a lot of people don't. A lot of people say, well, I hope I've been good enough. I hope I raised my kids well enough. I try to go to church enough, but I tell you what, in our own flesh, it's never enough because our righteousness is this filthy race. All of us have come short of the glory of God. And so all of us are in desperate need of Jesus Christ who alone can save us from our sins. And we know that because of his death on the cross and his shed blood for us. And also the fact that he was buried 
and that he rose again from the dead. One thing that's important to understand as, as we witness to people, a lot of times we talk about Jesus dying on the cross for us, but you know, if you look at the book of Acts, you look at how the, the apostles, how they witnessed and how they presented the life of Christ to others, they made a point to include the resurrection, that our Savior rose again from the dead in the gospel presentation. In fact, when Jesus, or, in, or excuse me, the apostle Paul was there, kind of, he was arrested and he was there before the Jewish leaders and they were wondering what they should do with him. Remember, there's a mixture of the Pharisees and Sadducees, and Paul made a note of that. He says, for the resurrection of the dead, that's why I'm standing here today, the resurrection of Christ. He made a point of that, and that caused division there. But that's the point. The gospel, without the resurrection, is an incomplete gospel, folks. We need to tell the whole story. Jesus Christ was died and is buried and he rose again. You don't believe me? Look back earlier in, in 1 Corinthians 15. It says in verse, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, For I delivered unto you first of all, which I had received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel right there. It needs to include it right there. By the way, he died for our sins. He died on the cross, and he was buried. Why does it say he was buried? It's because he was really dead. You don't, well, you shouldn't, Bury someone who's alive, okay? All right? This is someone who actually died. And then that, the fact that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and then mentions eyewitnesses and the, keeps going on. But that, that is the hope that we live in. That's what we're based on here in 1 Corinthians 15 at the end of the passage. And so what we have here is there is a promise of a new body. God has promises new bodies. In verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. There are some churches that have that verse. That is the theme verse of the nursery. Reread it and you'll get it. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed, okay? That's bad theology, but anyway. But nonetheless, we shall not all sleep, meaning we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. We will all, for believers, we will have a changed body, a new body. I don't know about you, but I say praise God for that, for that promise. But as we see this here, Paul goes on to explain how that change happens, that future coming when the Lord returns. In a moment, verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. So he mentions this moment here. So in looking at this, in verse 52, talks about in the moment, the twinkling of an eye. This is talking about, really, what we refer to as the rapture of the church. There are three places in the Bible that we can kind of point to as Jesus kind of giving his promise or, or sharing the promise of the rapture, the return of the Lord. Um, we have uh, this passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, towards the end of that, those verses. And then John 14, verses 1 through 6, also alludes to the rapture. Those are the three uh, clearest uh, representations of, of this message of the rapture being caught up. So what is the rapture of the church? We believe that the next scheduled event in Bible prophecy and in God's plan is, is the rapture of the church. And that's simply this. It's the remarkable instant gathering up of Christians unto Jesus Christ in the clouds that call the rapture. And by the way, you don't find the word rapture itself in the Bible. In uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we said we shall be caught up together with him in the clouds. The word, the Greek word uh, harpazo, it means to be caught up, basically to snatch away. 
is the idea. And we will meet him in the clouds. And so that's where we will be. Forever we shall be with the Lord. So there will come a plan in God's eternal plan that those who he gives those dead in the Lord their resurrection bodies. In an instant he gathers all his people to meet Jesus in the air. All the redeemed on the earth at that time will rise up to meet him in the, the Lord in the clouds and receive their resurrection bodies. So what we're talking about here, when you compare this passage with 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, you will see this, that the, uh, the dead in Christ will rise first. That's what we see. When we were at the graveside on Friday, I said, you know what? LD gets a head start. That's what it amounts to, okay? LD gets a head start. And then it says, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. So Paul had this hope as well, even his lifetime, and he mentioned this other places in his epistles, that he anticipated the Lord's return even in his lifetime. Again, he didn't know the date or the hour, okay? Uh, The writings he gave are inspired by God, but Paul himself was not omniscient. He didn't know everything, okay? So he did not know that. But nonetheless, there was a promise that was made and, by the Lord and that there would be a, a time when the Lord will return. Now, we don't know when that will happen, okay? By the way, I'll just give a little, a little commercial, if you will, that coming up towards the end of April, April 21st to the 23rd, we have uh, the Prophecy Conference with Dr. Schmidt. And he will be, uh, we're going to be doing a lot of messages on this very topic of imminency of the Lord's return. That's kind of the, the big theme and focus of that. So he will go a lot more in depth than I'm doing today. Uh, but this is just to kind of whip your appetite for that. But nonetheless, when we look at that moment, that moment in the twinkling of an eye, uh, basically you can't even blink fast enough. That's how it happens. And at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound. So here's the thing. What are, what are the dead, what of the dead in Christ before that day? So those who have passed away, as we've just mentioned, including LD. Uh, are they, what is going on right now in their life? Are they simply just lying in the grave? There are some people who even, I'll be honest with you, I've even come across Christians who said, when you're dead, you're dead. You live for Christ in your life, that's it. Believe it or not, I've heard that. You have other people in society that they, there's all kinds of different ideas of the afterlife. Is there an afterlife? According to the Bible, nod your head, yes, there is. Okay, so that's very clear. But what are they doing? What is LD doing right now? Is he some, there are some believe in a kind of a soul sleep or even like a suspended animation. There's others might believe like in a purgatory that there's a holding place. There's a lot of different beliefs out there, but what what does the Bible say? That's what it amounts to. Um, And it comes from 2 Corinthians 5, 8. And Paul says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Once you die, your spirit, your soul and spirit is with the Lord. Very, very clear on that. So be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There will be a resurrection, a bodily resurrection. Just as Christ was resurrected, we will also have a bodily resurrection, not of flesh and blood per se, but of flesh and bone. It will be a new body that we will, we will have, a fresh body. Uh, not like what we have now. The aches and pains that we deal with in this life, sickness and diseases, we won't have to worry about that. Praise God. It will be a brand new life for that. So within that, again, looking more at this verse here, what does this event look like? It says here in a moment, and twinkling about it, at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound. Obviously, this is the moment when you compare that with 1 Thessalonians. By the way, let's just do that because I don't want there to be like, oh, what's he talking about? See what the Bible says, okay? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Hold your place back in Corinthians. We'll be back there. But I do want to see these verses. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And let's look at verse 16. 
1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. It says here, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump, or trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall arise first. And continuing on, because it's good, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. There's going to be a glad reunion right there. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So the idea of, back in 1 Corinthians 15, talking about the last trump, and here, the trumpet of God, a lot of commentators believe that's referring to the same thing. Okay, this last trumpet believes they're connected. There are some people believe that this trumpet might be one of the seven trumpet judgments in Revelation chapter 11, but there's a big difference because in Revelation, those are trumpets of judgment of God upon this earth. This is a trumpet of calling for the believers, for the church. It's a different, different audience, different group that's here as well. And so for the believer in Christ, when we hear that trumpet, the last trump, it's a good thing. I like what uh, Harry Ironside, famous preacher and commentator, he said this. He kind of illustrated it this way. He says of the last trumpet, that it is a figure of speech that came from the Roman military when they broke camp. The first trumpet you heard was meant, strike the tents and prepare to leave. The second trumpet meant, fall into line. And the third and last trumpet, the last trump, meant, let's march away. So the last trumpet describes the Christian's marching orders at the rapture of the church. In other words, it's time to move, folks. I don't know about you, that should be a comfort for us. That's why Paul says, comfort one another with these words. I'll be honest with you, when I was growing up as a, uh, even in my teen years, to be honest with you, I was a little bit scared when you heard about the rapture. You ever watch those movies like in uh, Thief in the Night or um, it scare the heebie-jeebies out of you, you know? Uh, anyways, I had nightmares. I, li- I literally did for weeks. And so I, I remember just uh, you know, what is this all about? And the thing is this, that the rapture and these events should not, for the believer, should not scare us. If anything, they should comfort us that the Lord is going to return, okay? So that's a promise that he's given for us. But here's the bottom line of this passage here, that the hope of the resurrection gives us victory in Jesus. The hope of the resurrection gives us victory in Jesus. We have victory today, but it's because of Christ, what he will do, what he has promised and what he will do. So let's talk now about, we talked about the promise of victory, now the certainty of victory. We know it's certain. How do we know that? Look with me in verse uh, 54. When, so when this corruptible shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So this idea is that this corruptible and this mortal will put on incorruption and immortality. Talking about this body will not be like this forever. It will be changed. A mortal shall put on immortality. That's something that through God has, has done. And he says, it's written, death is swallowed up in victory. That's from the book of Isaiah, chapter uh, 25, verse 8, that death is swallowed up in victory. In other words, that God and his anointed, the Messiah, will rule and reign supreme, and he will conquer death. Death is the final enemy, and it's defeated. Therefore, we do not need to fear. As we think about this, Paul goes on to say, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. I like what Charles Spurgeon said about death and the fear of death. And I love this. uh, I'm going to probably try to memorize or post it somewhere. Spurgeon said this, I will not fear you, death. Why should I? You look like a dragon, but your sting is gone. Your teeth are broken, old lion. Wherefore should I fear you? I know you are no longer able to destroy me, 
but you were sent as a messenger to bring me to the golden gate where I shall enter to see my Savior's unveiled face forever. Dying saints have often said that their last beds have been the best they have ever slept on. I don't know about you, that just gives me God bumps, if you will, okay? Thank God for that promise. Talking about that sting of death, which is sin, Spurgeon goes on to say here, that for those who are not in Jesus Christ, death still has a sting. So if you're here today, you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you don't have that assurance that death still has its sting. Spurgeon says, The sting of death lay in this, that we had sinned and were summoned to appear before the God whom we had offended. This is the sting of death to you, unconverted ones. Not that you are dying, but that after death is the judgment. is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. And that you must stand before the judge of the quick and the dead to receive a sentence for the sins which you have committed in your body against him. It goes back to what Romans says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. What is death? It's the wages of sin. It's the payment of sin. Because of the sin, our sin nature and the sins, the wrongs that we committed against a holy God, that we do face judgment in our sins against that. And I'll be honest with you, each of us are condemned in that. But praise God, that's not the end of the story. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But God commendeth or demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for you. He died for Eldie Walter. And that same Jesus Christ died in your place for your sin. And what are we supposed to do with that? He calls upon you to trust in him, to believe in him. That's what Eldie did. And when you have trusted Jesus Christ, that, stingers, that death of st- uh, sting of death is removed. A good way to illustrate this is, uh, I love, love sharing this uh, as well, Donald Barnhouse, I don't know if you ever heard that name, preacher, commentator. Donald Barnhouse was noted for giving good stories, and it was at the death of his wife that he was traveling uh, either from the funeral or, or to the funeral, I forget what it was now. But as he's with his children in his vehicle, he, they're driving there, and one of the children asks, Dad, what is it like for a Christian when they die? What is it like? And as they did, they came to a stop, and next to them was a big truck that had, because of the sun and position, had cast its shadow over their vehicle and over their lane which they were in. And so he thought for a second, he told told the child this, said, well, death is like this. Here we are next to this truck. Would you be rather hit by the truck or hit by the shadow of the truck? And I said, Dad, of course, just the shadow of the truck. He said, that's exactly what life is like and what death is like for the Christian. That truck has been removed and we simply have to go through the shadow of death. That's it. And guess what? When we go through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. He is with you as we move from basically from one side of the curtain to the other. That's what we have in mind. As we think about this, we do have victory. But thanks be to God which gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I like what Barnes says in his commentary. The victory we have is over sin, death, and the grave. God alone is the author of this victory. He formed the plan. He executed the gift of his son, Jesus. And he gives it us personally when we come to die. This is a gift. This victory that we have, we experience it now for sure, but we will experience it in its fullness when we pass from this life through death or in his return for us. We praise the Lord for that. 
And this is done through, as we see here at the end of verse 57, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Barnes goes on to say, By his death, thus destroying the power of death, by his resurrection and triumph over the grave, and by his grace imparted to us to enable us to sustain us in the pains of death and giving us the hope of a glorious resurrection. So therefore, the hope of the resurrection gives us victory in Jesus. This is something that we can live. This is not a hope so. This is a promise, a, a guaranteed promise. With that, what will our testimony be? Are you prepared to face death? A song that's been going through my mind this week is what a day that will be. I think this would be appropriate just to stop and sing it. Why not? Give it to the Lord. If you know it, sing it with me. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see when I look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Can't, can't wait, LD. I'm a little jealous of you, all right? This is an amazing promise that we have. We should not wallow in despair, folks. We have a guaranteed hope and a guaranteed victory through Jesus Christ and the resurrection. We do not need fear of death. We have victory in Jesus. So what should our response be to this victory that we have in Jesus Christ? It's mentioned here in verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren... Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This here is my life verse right here. I love this verse. And as, this is an encouragement to me. Because of the hope of the resurrection, what should we do today? And that is to be steadfast, unmovable. The idea, the victory that we have in Jesus gives us confidence in this life as we serve him today, as we prepare for the life to come. We are supposed to be steadfast and movable. And that idea is in the doctrine of the gospel, as we mentioned at the very beginning. The hope of Jesus Christ is found in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that should be told to everyone. So this is the doctrine that we have. Therefore, we should be steadfast and unmovable in that. Also, we should be abounding, always abounding in the work of the Lord. This is promoting Jesus and the resurrection wherever we may go, whether it be to the guy who delivered the flowers or to those who were in attendance at the graveside service. We should, this should be a part of our lives as well today. And because of that, for as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Your labor is not in vain. God rewards his workers. And this culminates at the time of the resurrection. Be faithful to what God is doing, is doing in your life. Be faithful in following him. Be faithful. Don't turn aside. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Continue on because you have victory in Jesus as a child of God. Never forget that. Never forget that. Like I said, Eldie, he's buried close to the old homestead right there, with an eye shot of that. But really, you can say, well, he's home. But no, Eldie would tell you, that's not really my home. I'm safely home with Christ. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. That's our response to victory. Victory in Jesus. We think of that song, I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory. Victory in Jesus was written by a man named Eugene Bartlett Sr., born in 1885 
in Missouri. There's a couple of good people from Missouri, right? Bartlett was born in Missouri, and he was considered one of the most prolific songwriters, music producers, publishers, and singers of all time. He is considered one of the founding fathers of Southern gospel music. Mr. Bartlett spent a lot of time traveling around the country, singing and teaching people music. If you ever saw a hymnal with the old shape notes, that's kind of what he taught around there. If you don't know what shape notes are, it's okay. You'll survive, all right? (laughs) But nonetheless... At the age of 53, he suffered a stroke, leaving him unable to speak and walk and finding him mostly to his bed. And while most would have given up at this point, his faith remained strong in the Lord. It was during this time after his stroke that he wrote what turned out to be his most popular song ever. He began to think back at the time when he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior and and how his life was changed forever. And instead of focusing on his own misfortune because of the, the, the stroke, he decided to focus on the song, and he began to pen these words, I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. But the story doesn't end there. Due to his stroke, he could no longer travel or teach, and so his son, Eugene Bartlett Jr., took his place. On a trip to East Texas, he attended a, a revival meeting that was taking place. And it was said that the, it was a well-known evangelist. He preached a very good sermon. And he gave an altar call, but no one responded. So after a few moments, Eugene Bartlett felt led to the Lord to rise to his feet. And he began singing his dad's song, Victory in Jesus. And the message of that song people heard, 50 people came forward and gave their lives to Jesus that day. There is victory in Jesus. Folks, the hope of the resurrection gives us victory in Jesus. That's why we can sing it. That's why we can live it. We have that sure promise. This world is not all there is. Death is not the end of the story, folks. It is just the beginning of a new life. Ellie is more alive. Roger is more alive. Andy Sherbing and your loved ones and all have gone before. They are more alive now than they ever have been because they're there with the Lord. What a blessing this is. And that same hope awaits us. Praise God for that promise. We have victory in Jesus. Sing it from the rooftops. Sing it, and Eldie will sing with you. 